Welcome to Paid Media Coffee. I'm Kelly Mancuso, and today we're talking about every advertiser's frenemy, Facebook. (laughs) So we'll be discussing how Facebook and the rest of the Facebook ecosystem will be a part of our 2020 strategies. And with me to guide me through this conversation, I have three guests. First, we have Malia Millman. She is a paid social specialist at Nebo. Welcome back to the show. Happy to be back. We also have Amanda Oliver, our director of social media at Nebo. Hi, thanks for having me. And then Haley Stoffer is a paid media manager at Nebo. Hello, happy to be here too. Yeah, I'm excited for all of you to be back. So let's talk Facebook. It's 2020 now, and we've seen a lot of change over the past few months, over the past few years, really, in Facebook advertising. You know, there's been CBO, automatic placements, a lot of new functionality, a lot of restrictions and things that have happened. So how has Facebook's evolution impacted your strategies and your campaigns that you're running currently? I was going to say, I don't know who wants to tackle this one first, but there are so many things <laughs> that changed so last year. Things. I know specifically for some of the accounts that I've been working on over the past year, a lot of the things that you mentioned that rolled out, CBO, automatic placements, is really just kind of this overall theme of simplification and Mm -hmm. making your accounts easier to access and optimize for, especially Mm -hmm. with CBO. You don't have to split things up by a ton of different audiences and manage specific budgets and go in and optimize every day. Mm -hmm. Facebook's always trying to come to you and... Be like, hey, we actually can do this on our own. Can you just break down CBO and what that stands for for our listeners, just in case somebody may not know? Yeah, sure. It is campaign budget optimization. So it's essentially allowing you to have your ad groups be all under one campaign budget. And Mm -hmm. Facebook will go in and be like, this ad group is performing well with a lower cost per acquisition or whatever you're optimizing for. Mm -hmm. And it'll basically put more of your budget to the higher performing ad groups. Whereas before each ad group, you would have to place a specific budget depending on what you think is most important. Okay, so it's giving up a little bit of control and allowing Facebook's algorithm to optimize your campaign as a whole to the budget that you set rather than ad group specific ones. And that's supposed to be um, in effect, not just an option, but it's supposed to be mandatory across all campaigns soon, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be mandatory in September. And just for the record, as it's paid social, it's ad set for Facebook. Facebook's Thank the you only for one correcting that says, us. We do yeah. know ad set, yes. Yeah, I feel like Facebook and Instagram are the only ones that use that anyways. But yeah, it was supposed to be mandatory in September. And then other things occurred to where they pushed that back. And mm-hmm. I, I recently saw an article about them saying that they were going to make it mandatory soon, but they don't necessarily have a date from okay. the last thing I've seen. So prepare for that. Yeah, prepare for it. It was already supposed to be already. a thing, but... You can always set minimums and maximums for your ad sets underneath. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of something I've done for particular campaigns where we know we want something to spend uh, a certain amount per day or not spend over that based upon historical performance. So it's not like you lose complete control, but it's kind of highlighting on what Haley was saying is just simplifying overall structure and then additionally other things involving optimizations. Okay. Uh, So what else? What other changes have impacted how you are managing and uh, structuring campaigns? I think something to add on to the simplification uh, aura of Facebook last year was the fact that they came up with a multiple text option piece and additionally the dynamic creative Mm -hmm. as well. So for example, I would normally launch, let's just say like 10 or 15 ads of something uh, for a campaign. And now all I had to do was launch three versions Mm -hmm. because not only have we figured out issues with the um, 
I believe it was the dynamic parameters, which we figured out. So now we're able to have Facebook and Instagram in the same ad set, but then we actually have the dynamic parameter pull the correct URL information. Mm -hmm. So we simplified that there. And then we also simplified the dynamic creative piece. So essentially we've got one uh, horizontal image and one square image for all different placements across Facebook and Instagram. And then by having the multiple text option, we can have up to five uh, descriptions, five headlines, display links, and other things as well. It's really, really easy to have mm -hmm. multiple versions, but the thing that stinks is you can't work offline. Mm -hmm. So you can't export it and do that, and it's annoying when you're working with a couple hundred ads across the country. Yeah. So, yeah. But positive, uh, more awesome options. Negative, they're not fully built out. Mm -hmm. I feel like in 2020, they'll definitely come out with an offline way, but it's still exciting to see that mm -hmm. they're giving us that kind of time saver in the sense of being in the platform. You don't have to launch 15 ads. You can launch three, which is great. Yeah. We actually brought this up with our call on with our Facebook reps like last week. And so I was like, hey, when are you guys going to build this out? Can you check on that? That'd be great. And they're like, yep, we'll put it at the top of our list. I'm like, thanks. Bye. <laughs> cool. So if we see any changes there, we will make an announcement or we'll tweet about it. <laughs> Hopefully there's a change. Another really big thing that we've seen a push from our Facebook reps, like Malia was talking about, is automatic placements. Mm -hmm. And definitely another way to simplify. I know we had campaigns in the past that we built out years ago that we would be a campaign specifically for Instagram, a campaign mm -hmm. specifically for Facebook. But now, like Malia mentioned earlier in one of her campaign strategies and ad groups even, we can have all of the placements be under one and your ad set <laughs> your ad set will have just your uh, targeting. It'll be more specific to targeting and less specific to what platform you're showing on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're really, really pushing that. And ideally, they want you to just let Facebook choose across all of the placements. But there is a best practice. It's at least four yes. placements. So if you are a little bit weary to opt into certain ones, as long as yeah. your ad set has chosen at least four, they can consider that the automatic placement optimization. And to go off of what Malia was saying about dynamic creative, that has also been a big help for me to accept automatic placements a lot more because Same. before we were like making creative specific to a specific platform like mm -hmm. Instagram or Facebook, um, specific image sizes. But because they're allowing us to make little crops and adjustments within the platform, mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable using automatic placements. Yeah, that's a good point. And a good way also to uh, make your clients feel a little bit more comfortable with it as well. Yeah. Amanda, what about you? What have you seen from an overarching theme, maybe organically specific yeah. or um, you know, paid specific? Yeah, so in terms of kind of content planning for our clients and the content that we're sharing on social, we've really run into um, some issues with trying to align our clients' goals mm -hmm. with kind of the best practices and goals of promoting content on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so one of the main reasons that we work with clients is to really help grow awareness and mm -hmm. to increase engagement with the content and the stories and the imagery and the videos that we're sharing on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, but really working with um, our Facebook representatives in 2019 into 2020, the platform itself is really discouraging mm -hmm. engagement based promoted content yep. and is encouraging more so driving landing page visits. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of a battle back and forth that we sometimes have with Facebook is that, mm -hmm. you know, our clients' goals are to drive engagement, to have people interacting with the content they're sharing. And so mm -hmm. for us, can we still meet those goals and drive those awareness-focused campaigns, even though that may not be what our Facebook representatives mm -hmm. uh, recommend to us? 
Yeah, and one of the reasons that they, you know, say that they're trying to push away from engagement-based campaign objectives is because the people who are clicking or engaging with a post aren't always the people who are actually purchasing or you know taking whatever those end business goals might be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, for certain companies or organizations, your presence on these social channels is just as important as what people are doing, you know, down the line. So you might not be running a campaign to ultimately drive sales. It's more about, you know, how they're positioned and the number of followers that they have and et cetera. So yeah, definitely something that I hope that they figure out or at least like loosen up on on the agencies yeah. who aren't always adopting the like direct response related objectives. Mm-hmm. Cuz exactly. it's like if you don't want that to be a campaign objective and you don't want people to use that, mm-hmm. why is it an option? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Amanda and the social team do a really great job at still showing their value mm-hmm. from an organic standpoint and how this content really does help drive that longer term relationship and demand further down the line with potentially a paid ad. (laughs) Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. So that is one challenge, but what other challenges have we seen? I mean, some of these changes have been really great for our campaigns and our ability to manage and just performance in general. Some of them have come with challenges. So what are those challenges that y'all have been faced with and what are the ways that you're working to overcome them? This could be a... uh whole session on me talking about frustrations I've had with the platform that could turn into a whole thing. But um, I try to pick just a couple, keep it easy. I guess the main one that I experienced personally on one of our clients, because they are technically housing, Mm -hmm. they got put underneath the HCC program for special ad categories. So essentially housing, employment, or credit. Mm -hmm. Anybody that offers one of those opportunities, essentially to make Facebook safer, they put all these blocks and other things as well in regards to targeting. And in knowing all that, they pretty much took away options to target, such as lookalike audience. You can't use a zip code anymore. You can't exclude locations. You can't exclude interests. Mm-hmm. A lot of your interests have been taken away so that you really have no behaviors. And I mean, just everything is gone. Age targeting is gone. Yeah, age targeting is mm-hmm. gone. And then additionally, with the lookalike audiences, with those disappearing, it's like, okay, most of our campaigns uh, were built to those. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? So we create special ad audiences. You just create it the same way that you create a lookalike. The only mm-hmm. difference is it doesn't take into account age, uh, any of that demographic information regards to income, zip codes, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it doesn't take that into account, supposedly. It was a lot to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was August 26th that it flipped on to where it had to be done by that date or things were going to get shut exact off. date. Yeah, yeah because I, I came into <laughs> work you and were, I had this email. What you were wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the whole panic day. Like, uh, it's just big, bold, yellow mm-hmm. letters coming into my inbox that morning. Hey, you guys need to get this done today. And I'm like, uh... Yeah, today, uh, and it was wow. it was a mess, and the platform kept crashing in between because all the other ad sets underneath I had to change those settings too. It just was mm-hmm. a lot, but we made it through. Yeah, performance sucked for a bit, came back up, but we're okay. How um, long would you say so. that performance was down after you made that switch? Probably about two and a half to three weeks. Okay. But then again, that's like how long something takes to learn, really. Yeah, like true. A week to two weeks, depending upon like your account size, of course. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I think just because our account size is large enough, it was able to learn faster. But Mm -hmm. we really worked with our reps and making sure we got priority campaigns done first and then worked with them to ensure other things weren't getting shut Mm -hmm. off and so forth. They were really helpful through that. Okay, great. So something that we couldn't have avoided, but seems like having a good relationship with your account reps really helped that. Pays dividends, for Mm -hmm. sure. Right. 
One of the things that I found as a challenge in 2019 was one of my clients, and I guess it's been like this for a while, but you're not really able to pick or optimize towards one. You can you can only pick and optimize towards one conversion action. You cannot pick mm-hmm. multiple. Right. So essentially, we have a few conversion actions on a specific landing page, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to track and optimize towards all of them, Mm -hmm. but I only can pick one. Right, because they're all just as equally valuable to your client. Exactly, and I'm sure that a lot of other people have that same problem where Mm -hmm. there are multiple valuable things on the landing page that you want to drive an action towards, Mm -hmm. and um, we've started to work around it a little bit. I know I've been working with some of my coworkers on tracking, Mm -hmm. but I feel like in the future, if you could pick more than one conversion action within the interface that would be wonderful. Yeah, because then you would essentially have to create another conversion action that combines all of them together. Just yeah, so that's, what we've been, that's what we've done. To optimize towards. But then if you need the reporting broken out more I'm granularly, like, well, which one? Yeah. all of them. So yeah, and, that's interesting. And following that, I know that we've also run into the challenge of you can only pick one goal for your campaign. So I want to drive conversions or I want to drive brand awareness, but you can never have a campaign that has more than one goal. Mm-hmm. And I get that you have a primary goal, but like it would be great to be able to trigger different things mm-hmm. to improve your brand awareness with a certain campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so just allowing a little more flexibility in terms of conversions and overall goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one really specific challenge that um, our social team has faced is in terms of our reporting on things like engagements. So we want to make sure that we're as transparent as possible and we're reporting on kind of the value of the content that we're creating, that we're boosting, that's running in our advertisements. And one really specific challenge we faced is that the engagement metrics in Facebook are reported a bit differently if you're using Facebook Ads Manager versus Facebook Insights. So for organic content, it reports certain things as engagements, whereas in Ads Manager, it reports additional actions as engagements, such as video views. Okay. And so that's been a really specific challenge for us in terms of when we're reporting engagements to our clients on organic content, promoted content, uh, content that's running in Facebook advertising, how do we tell that story? story mm-hmm. holistically and as accurate as possible. So can you not even get those video view metrics at all for something that you haven't put ad dollars behind? We can. Okay. We can see those video view metrics in Facebook Insights, mm-hmm. but in terms of what's counted as, as an, an engagement, engagement okay. it's not included as an engagement. So it's just inconsistent, it's inconsistent across the ads platform and then Facebook Insights. So kind of that um, navigating that has been a big challenge for us over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just huffing and puffing because I'm like, yeah, I have to work on that report. Um, other thing as well, like, so they created the uh, the Creative Hub and really, really mm-hmm. launched that, and it was a really great addition. Something that happened uh, toward the end of last year, though September, they made it pretty much go down to three lines of text for a mobile placement. And in knowing the fact that over 90% of traffic on Facebook is coming from the mobile placement. Clearly, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you have that three lines of text and ready to go. What about with the dynamic creative optimization? Have any of you had any issues where images weren't rendering properly for a certain placement? Yeah, there are times where you have an option to pick something horizontal or pick something square for a different placement. So for example, for the marketplace, Mm -hmm. there's one result for the marketplace that comes in horizontal and then another one where it's a smaller square image. You can't pick between what you want between the two. So you can either have a horizontal image that gets used for both placements, Mm -hmm. and then there's white space around it uh, where it's supposed to be square, 
or you pick a square one and then it's morphed uh, when it should be a horizontal. So you okay. can't really pick between the two. So that's really the only one I've seen an issue with in regards of it not being correct of what it mm -hmm. should look like on each placement. I don't really think it's that big of a deal, but that's kind of one option I believe that they could expand on further. Mm -hmm. Okay, so probably recommend using the horizontal one. Just know that it's going to yeah. be a little off or just opt out of that placement altogether. Yeah. All right, so when talking about paid social advertising on Facebook, we don't just mean Facebook, obviously, anymore. Facebook as a platform, as an ecosystem, covers a ton of different properties. So in 2020, what do you foresee happening in terms of advertising across the whole entire Facebook ecosystem, you know, Messenger, Instagram, et cetera? Yeah, and we had like talked about earlier WhatsApp, which I mm -hmm. think was something we were all really looking forward to um, from an advertising perspective. It was supposed to roll out, I think, in 2020, but they recently mm -hmm. came out with um, not moving forward with advertising on the platform. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at other ways to make money, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. There is such an untapped audience there. It's not just within mm -hmm. the US, but it's more global. Mm -hmm. And I think with the rise of other, you know, story platforms like TikTok, they kind of decided to not make WhatsApp that advertising space mm -hmm. um, for stories. So I think that is something that was a big change that we were originally planning for in the Facebook ecosystem mm -hmm. that's no longer going to be a part of it in 2020. Yep. Mm -hmm. Also the further focus on groups. I mean, there were commercials on social media, there were commercials on Hulu, there were commercials on like literally anything and everything that I could see, like TV everywhere mm -hmm. about Facebook groups, Facebook yeah. groups, Facebook groups, find your people with Facebook groups everywhere. Mm -hmm. So for me, I believe there's going to be a bigger push on actually promoting and sponsoring content within certain groups because it's kind of like LinkedIn, you can target by groups mm -hmm. and member groups. And now with Facebook opening that up, um, I know they opened it up to a few advertisers last year. I don't know when it's going to be fully available, but I, I can see a lot more contextual targeting mm -hmm. being used because of this on Facebook. Because with a lot of different things going away, groups is probably the way that Facebook is thinking, okay, we can mm -hmm. get all these like-minded people in a section together, and this is great for mm -hmm. advertisers to send them. Because yep. then if they're interested in a particular thing, okay, contextually, boom, you match, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a huge push once they open that up. Right. And to go back off of the Facebook platform, I think that we're going to see a lot more direct messaging, like messenger mm -hmm. ads. Mm -hmm. I think that along with kind of Malia talking about the personalization of being in a group, you're also going to see a lot of personalization with directly messaging an mm -hmm. advertiser. Mm -hmm. um, so I know Facebook around 2019 came out with a lot of new capabilities for messenger ads. I was reading something about how they have like easy, frequently asked questions that you can click mm -hmm. on, like what are my hours? What about the specific mm -hmm. product? Mm -hmm. So I think that's gonna have a big rise and, and potentially uh, take more of Facebook ecosystems ad shares, mm -hmm. being in the messenger app and actually clicking yeah. on ads and mm -hmm. responding directly to your specific brand or advertiser. Yeah, because mm -hmm. now you can book appointments too through things as well. And yep. I mean, so if you can book appointments and that's a conversion that you're looking for, boom, there's that. And then additionally, if you are in the movie industry, the ads now pretty much have an ability to, you can hit remind me when it comes out. Mm -hmm. So if you see an ad for it, you can literally be reminded when it comes out to go buy tickets for the movie. I mean, it's just so many different things that they're adding on. It's really crazy. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's giving advertisers the ability to have really unique and fun, interactive, engaging campaigns. 
And something that I saw engaging on Instagram in 2019 was the kind of push for the shopping ads. So you'd be scrolling through your feed and you'd see someone wearing a really cute jacket mm-hmm. and they would, you'd be able to click on it and then it would show like how much it cost, the sizes, and you could go straight to that page. Unfortunately, right now, you can't do that through campaign manager in the sense that like it's not an ad. It's mm-hmm. something that's organically done that you mm-hmm. would organically put like post. So I know that we have a client that is a B2C client and we can only promote those shopping ads organically. I'm hoping mm-hmm. in 2020 we'll see a growth in the Instagram platform when it comes to shopping ads, ads. Ads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something else that we saw really in 2019 for the first time on Instagram was decreases in organic engagement of content. Mm-hmm. And so of course we all know that that's been happening for years and years with Facebook, but 2019 we saw that first like real significant change for our clients year over year. Mm-hmm. And so it really um, challenges us to think about how do we leverage promoted content to kind of make up for where we've lost that organic engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and really one of the ways that we've overcome that a bit for our clients is through the use of stories. Yeah. So creating more real-time content that people are engaging with, looking at how people interact with like feed posts on Instagram, for example, versus views, taps back, taps forward on promoted stories. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thinking through, you know, we can't promote video content on Instagram, but we can promote video stories. Mm -hmm. And so really everything is kind of pushing and pointing us towards stories. So that's kind of another trend that we've seen and almost kind of worked for us well. Yeah. And I think with like the emergence of platforms like TikTok as well, that will just continue. And Facebook is going to need to mm-hmm. figure out how they're going to deal with that added mm-hmm. competition because mm-hmm. TikTok's really, really trying to amplify their advertising. Yeah. Similar to how mm-hmm. they were competing with Snapchat and then Instagram stories kind of came over uh, within the past few years of mm-hmm. adding that stories aspect. So I think now that TikTok's kind of coming into the scene, we'll see this the Facebook ecosystem really try to up its game and compete with TikTok as a new platform coming out, the new hot thing. Yeah, and did you guys see that Byte was just re-released? So the founders of Vine have introduced a brand new app. Called Byte? Byte. So it was for a quick video content creation. So I'm excited to see how it all kind of plays out and see if, I mean, obviously some players might fade away into the background. Others might figure out more of a niche way of going about it or, you know, audience specific content yeah. too. So I will say I think Facebook ecosystem when it comes to Instagram, Messenger, I think those are here to stay. Yeah. We kind of already transitioned into this, but I do want to talk about other trends that we should be watching for on Facebook and, you know, across all of Facebook's platforms. So, you know, we've got AI and AR ads mobile first growth has been big. What do you guys think are going to be the biggest trends in 2020 and why? I know that we talked at the beginning of this episode about automatic placements. Mm -hmm. And I realized that this year, Facebook has come out with Facebook portal, which is kind of like uh, a way for you to chat with people through video. And they like kind of follow you across Mm -hmm. the room. They have had like ads on certain television spots where like Mm -hmm. they have Muppets and JLo and Kim Kardashian. So they're really pushing this Facebook portal. I haven't seen anyone use it that I know yet, but Mm -hmm. if that continues to be popular, I think Mm -hmm. that uh, we'll potentially have some new ad placements within Facebook portal. Mm -hmm. And I'd be interested to see how they would perform and convert. Like Mm -hmm. if there was an ad for a specific service and you were on Facebook portal and then you, you know, stop talking to whoever you're talking to and Mm -hmm. an ad showed up 
would you actually like go through and convert? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see how Facebook's going to use this new uh, technology. Yeah, and how that just impacts the like users' behavior as well. Yeah, will it be more brand awareness or will it be more uh, you know demand gen mm-hmm. if they actually go through and convert? Yeah, in uh, late 2019, it was the first time that brands were able to actually sponsor influencers' content. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, of course, brands can run advertisements and sponsor their own um, promotional content, or they could work with influencers mm-hmm. who would then kind of promote their content organically. Um, but now, an influencer can post something, and a brand can purposefully put paid spend behind that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that will continue to be a huge trend. It's mm-hmm. going to grow a lot in 20. 2020, but I'm also curious to see how um, the authenticity of those relationships yeah. plays out for the brands, because right now people tend to trust people and influencers mm-hmm. and their opinions a bit more so than communications directly from a brand. Mm-hmm. But if that becomes oversaturated, will that still be true? Right. So I'm curious to see yeah. how that evolves throughout 2020. Yeah, I think what's interesting though is like considering most people use Facebook on their phone, they're coming up with a new desktop view. Mm. This year, and I, I saw some mock-ups of it, and essentially looks like a larger version of what you see on your phone, but on a desktop because the desktop version is kind of convoluted. There's like a lot of different options; it's really not easy to navigate. So, not only I guess uh, talking about the original like motif with what we were talking about in 2019 is just simplification. Mm-hmm. I think 2020 is just furthering that thought process there for them, especially when it comes to looking at the desktop view overall. Cool. For me, I think. Privacy will continue to be a big thing, I mean, across advertising in general, but especially on the Facebook uh, platform. You know, we're already seeing more transparency provided to users when it comes to advertising. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, why am I seeing this option? I've actually looked at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they just rolled out the ability for users to opt out of custom yeah. audience lists that they've been on. And you can actually see what entity is targeting you with a custom audience mm-hmm. list, which is really interesting. So with that, I would recommend if you're an agency running ads on behalf of one of your clients, make sure you have that setting selected in yeah. your ad campaign manager because otherwise it'll show your agency as the one targeting them specifically. So just a little tip there. Yeah. A little crazy with all that. Another <laughs> another thing for like 2020 in general um, that I'm intrigued to see is them really focusing on political ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an election year. Uh, there are a lot of issues surrounding political mm-hmm. ads. And there was recently, you know, Zuckerberg went to Congress recently and they were talking about, well, what are you going to do? And he's just like, well, we're going to let the people run them. Mm-hmm. So knowing that in 2019, mistrust in social media information went up by a lot, even sources that are true, that's going to be really intriguing to see what we're going to end up seeing on Mm -hmm. the platform during this time, during all the different elections and so forth and leading up to them. Because other platforms such as Twitter, like, you know, they took a stance on, nope, we're not going to have any to begin with. Exactly. So really, I mean, even though, yes, you have to go through this huge process of, you know, turning in ID information, company information, all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. I know you had to go through it for a different client. Um, It wasn't even necessarily a political client, but it Mm -hmm. still had some kind of uh, I can't even remember what the undertone was, but mm-hmm. it, I still had to go through sending in my ID. And it's like for a cause or something. A cause, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I am really nervous personally to see what's going to be coming out uh, during all of this. Yeah, I mean, with Twitter saying that they're not going to support political ads, that just 
decreases the inventory so much. So political advertisers are going to have to leverage platforms like Facebook and you know even TV, OTT, all these other ways of getting in touch with their audience base to advertise. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. Um, our next episode is going to be focused on dynamic and personalized creative across paid media. So we're really excited about that one. And if you have any questions about anything we talked about today or in past episodes or have any recommendations of things that you would like to hear us talk about, please email us at paidmediacoffee at neboagency.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at paidmediacoffee. And then also please rate review and subscribe to the podcast. And thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. Woo.